Welcome into the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray, a locally produced program devoted to bringing you a fresh perspective on housing, diving into the issues that matter most. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray is presented by Mortgage Investors Group. Now, Kevin Ray. Welcome into the Housing Hour. My name is Kevin Ray, and I am your host. I'm here with Mark Griffith, our executive producer and co-host. We want to thank you all for stepping into the Housing Hour, and we are uh, grateful for the opportunity to hopefully add some value to your day. Uh, We want to thank Mortgage Investors Group as our sponsor, MIGonline.com. Please go there and check them out, see what they have to offer. Um, And also, we want to tell you how to plug in with us as well. You can go to the Treasure Trove, uh, that is thehousinghour.com, find all of our series that we've uh, completed, and uh, also talk about our future shows. And you can share that with friends and family. And we're on all the social networking platforms as well. The Housing Hour is found on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, Google+. And uh, you can locate us by going to those different platforms and checking us out. Um, Facebook.com slash The Housing Hour. Our Twitter handle is at The Housing Hour. So today we have a very special guest with us today. We have uh, from um, Concord Baptist Church, First uh, First Baptist First Church, Baptist, Concord. Yes, that's correct. Um, beautiful church, absolutely beautiful church. That's my church. That's right. Steve Peaks is with us today. Um, and he's been with uh, them for almost 35 years. So, Steve, first of all, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for the invitation. Absolutely. Uh, and what's your official capacity? My right? official title is I work with everyone who is age 55 and up. Mm-hmm. Uh, we call ourselves the Legacy Builders. Mm. Instead so of you've been with them for a while, Mark. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I start next year. <laughs> We've got... Uh, Two different groups that are three different groups in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got those that are 55 to 64, and we call that the BAM group, the mm-hmm. Boomer Adult Ministry. That's awesome. Uh, the SAM is 64 up. That mm-hmm. is Senior Adult Ministry. And then we have a homebound ministry for those who mm-hmm. are unable to be with us anymore. We call those the shut-ins from the church that I used to right. go to growing up. Well, real quick, Steve, let me ask you this, because I find it very, very interesting when I read your bio, because you've evolved with your career in ministry, and you began your career, of course, in children's ministry. And you, you that's kind of where your focus was, I suppose, you could say, at the beginning of your ministry. Now, those folks you know, as they had kids, and it, and it seems like maybe you've shifted gears a little bit, although I'm sure your heart's still in children's ministry. Um, talk about why you transitioned into that, and then before we get started talk, asking other questions, we'll talk about our series. Yeah. But first, I wanted to hear that because I want the, the, the listeners to know who you are. For 18 years, I was the children's minister at Concord. Mm-hmm. During that time, though, I had a real passion and desire to get to know our senior adults Mm. and the best way that I knew how to get to know them was to take time and to go visit with them Mm. and just allow them to talk about their lives and about the church and community and whatever they want to share Mm. and it was so enlightening to me to be able to get to know and to become their friend Mm -hmm. 
And as a result of that, then many of them, when they would come to the point of needing ministry, whether it be in hospital or it be at the time of their death, then I was called mm. and have found very quickly that that was one of my comfort zones that God had given me a gift in. Mm. And I uh, was very comfortable no matter where it was uh, in where they were critically ill or even in ministering to the family after it took place, their death. Yeah. And so uh, because of that, then I've held several different other titles. I was the first missions pastor of our church. Wow. I helped uh, Pastor Doug uh, Sager start uh, the, the pastoral care ministry of mm-hmm. our church and then moved into the current ministry area that I hold with our seniors. Plus another ministry that has been very near and dear to my heart throughout the years has been our special needs ministry. Mm -hmm. And God has blessed uh, our church with an incredible special needs ministry that uh, ministers to uh, people not only on Sunday and Wednesdays, but also we have a ministry during the, the week that's called Helping Hands. And Helping Hands is for youth who have graduated high school and basically have no hope of getting a job. Mm-hmm. And But yet they have gifts of ministry that they can give. And so what we did was start a program about 15 years ago that enabled these folks to come to our campus three days a week. And we not only work on our uh, go and do things like take care of the P-Racks of our worship center and a lot of other ministry projects for our campus, but we go to Cedar Springs every other week and do their worship center. We go to the nursing home. We go to CARM and work there in the store once a month mm. and just do a lot of things to show these guys that, hey, not only do you have gifts but we're going to provide opportunities for you to give those gifts to others. Well, and I think that the being the hands and feet doesn't always mean Sunday worship services. You're, you're exactly there right. are so many other opportunities, and that's what your role has really evolved into is being the hands and feet, helping other people realize that the hands and feet of Jesus is, is their own hard work and their own dedication, and that's po- probably one of their... Um, things that God's given them, one of their talents, and and you're helping people realize that, and I think that's great. And I will give a plug for the Vacation Bible School for Concord, (laughs) because my kids love it, and, you know, we attend Faith Promise Church. We don't don't have a Vacation Bible School, but we we every year attend this one um, at at, uh, Concord, and it's fantastic. And it's coming up. We love it. Yes, it is. Um, So with that being said, why don't we do this? Why don't we, um, Mark... Um, you have had two experiences since 2003, mm-hmm. may, maybe more, but yeah. just intimately involved in because your mother died in 2003, correct? That's right. And then your sister-in-law, was it 2011? Uh, yes, that's right. 11? 2012. 2012. And... So what we're doing at the housing hour, because a lot of times these end of life experiences happen in their home mm-hmm. and, and it, it affects not just obviously the, the immediate family, but also the friends and the churchgoers that are kind of in that sphere of influence. You know, I'm in a small group now and that's the way we do our ministry to our 
to our um, friends. And, you know, as we get old, I don't see us going anywhere. And so it doesn't just affect your immediate family. You know, your church family is affected. And so Steve has been there for Mark in 2003 and 2012 and has helped guide him through that end-of-life experience. So Mark had this brilliant idea that why don't we explore that? I personally have an experience just recently with my aunt who died of cancer, um, and uh, my sister um, had uh, basically the hospice care for her Mm -hmm. in her home, and, and it was a huge, huge deal for us. And so it, it, it hit close, hits close to home for a lot of people. And so, it, you know, if you're on a part of a church family, if you don't have that support network, you know, I know that Concord would be willing to come alongside of you if you if you have a family member that you would like to minister to. But why don't you go ahead, Martin, set up why you thought of this and how this has worked works well so often um we busy ourselves when our our loved ones get sick Uh, it could be elderly it could be a a young person like my uh, wife's sister who Mm -hmm. died of cancer two years ago and your aunt and uh we busy ourselves with the 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 fighting the disease or the condition that's bringing them down Mm -hmm. and everybody rallies around them there's a positive out you know expectation that there's going to be a positive outcome to Mm -hmm. this but that's a lot of times that's not the outcome and and so you don't you don't really aren't prepared for that end of life period of time i found myself it comes suddenly suddenly we were fighting 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 my mother was fine we were fine but then all of a sudden you find yourself in the last couple of weeks and then you see the start to downgrade of of that that loved one and you don't know and there's you have a lot of questions is this it we Mm -hmm. she kept on asking me is this it am Mm -hmm. i am i going out and and i didn't know how to answer i didn't know what it was steve was there from the beginning of her surgery two years before that Mm -hmm. and always was with us but at the last throes of the end of her life steve was there coaching me Mm. spiritually coaching me which is significantly important so Mm. his ministry is not only to the dying but it's to the living it's to the family members who need to understand this is the process this is what you should expect this is all in god's hands this is the plan and it's going to be okay yeah so let me ask steve this steve you start with the relationship um with your new ministry at age 55 i think you called it the what was the name it's boomers it's Bo- the boomers boomers so bam i guess bam it. is stands for boomer adult ministry so that's an important thing to interject here and every church has some sort of ministry like this concord isn't claiming to have a monopoly on end of life care or ministry to senior adults although they have an awesome one um but steve at 55 um, you really begin that process of building that relationship. You've known them their whole lives, but you, be, you, you become a little bit more involved with them to, to help them along their journey as grandparents, as great-grandparents, as senior adults. So talk about that, how you, how you transition that. When you get to walk with a person through the journey of life, you get to see the different stages that they are going into. And many times these people have been very vibrant. They've had mm. very incredible lives. They're, they're, have a, they're connected with family mm-hmm. and a, a lot of church family. And so their influence is, is uh, just as great even when they're getting older. And what you do is suddenly you realize is that one that is significant in your life is either developing a has developed a malignant uh, disease Mm. 
are you begin to see that they're just aging is taking its natural process. Mm -hmm. And when you see that, then they begin to shift focus. The focus, instead of being able to minister to others, suddenly changes until their focus is on themselves and how I'm Mm -hmm. just going to be able to take care of myself each day. Mm-hmm. Many times it's done. Uh, they're able to still keep coming to church. They're able to keep going out and and seeing people. But many times it doesn't. It begins to regress to the point that le- they get out less and less. And this doesn't happen right at 55, Mark. So don't, no, don't no, worry. No, that's a relief. <laughs> but it can happen any time, too. You're right. Happen. You're very, it's very right. So, so because in our church, and I know other churches, sometimes our 55 through 70-year-olds are some of our most active people because mm-hmm. they have the experience and they have the legacy that they're building for the younger people, seeing that this is how church works. It's about being a giver, not a taker. And you need to, at some point, you're going to have to be a taker. But up until that point, being a giver. And we only have one minute left in this segment. And so, Steve, when we come back after these messages in a moment, let's talk a little bit more about that transition from being a giver. You know, being a giver in the church, have been for years, have been doing it, have been there for you, have been there for the church, have been there for our youth. And then there is that point. There is that that pivotal point in their life where, you know, they still want to be the giver that they've always been, but then they have to accept being a taker yeah. and, and, be, and being on the receiving end of that. And for some people, I'll be honest, it's very hard. That's I, right. I see it right now with people in my immediate family. My grandmother has been a giver her entire life, and she's still a giver, and she is 93 years old, and she's still doing ministry at her church. But she, she also needs to learn how to be a receiver of that ministry. And, and that's, a, that's a very difficult transition. So we'll talk about that and much more here with Steve Peaks from uh, Concord uh, here in Farragut area. And also much more right after these messages. You know, we're getting close. Yes the end of the month and it's due <laughs> i'm talking about your mortgage you know it could be an easier payment a better payment with the help of my home team mortgage investors group home loans that's all they do and it's important that you know all your options when it comes to your mortgage and your loan so just to ask mig to take a look call 1-800-489-8910 or go to migonline.com for the office nearest you equal housing lender license 109111 the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what is really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. Welcome back to The Housing Hour. Kevin Ray is here with you. I am your host. I'm here with Mark Griffith, our executive producer and co-host. This show is brought to you by Mortgage Investors Group, MIGonline.com. And we're, we're here talking with Steve Peake. He's um, with First Baptist Concord here in Knoxville, uh, and uh, where Mark is also a member of, of that wonderful church. And uh, we're talking about our series, our new series. And, and I'm not sure if we've even... Actually... Yeah, it's Elderly Home Health. Elderly Home Health. That's kind of what I called it, yeah. but it's really kind of open. And it's open, but that is a very good um, 
thing to call it because that opens up a lot of discussion about that stage in folks' lives when they are in need of some care. And so with Steve, we're talking about the whole gamut of topics to get to that point. So we're talking about his ministry. He's been with um, First Baptist for going on 35 years. Mm -hmm. He graduated from Carson Newman. He then also went to seminary in Fort Worth. Um, as well. Is that correct? That's correct. And then made your way back to East Tennessee. You could have went anywhere that you wanted. Um, he also has a son who is doing fantastic things with the 700 Club. He's the director of production of, or is he that what is it is? the director of the daily show that goes out Right. Worldwide, it's incredible. That is incredible. That's a great, great. I aspire to that position. That's right, exactly. <laughs> someday, someday. Um, so we're talking about that, and we're, you know, the one thing that uh, Steve made clear at the beginning, and just hearing him talk, he may not even have said this, but it's about the relationships. Yes, it really, truly is. And sometimes, you know, God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason because. We need to listen more, and I'm sure Mark probably could say that about me, but, you know, we need to listen to people more, and you said that. You like to listen to them, and sometimes letting them air out things and invent or share their life with someone else, they don't always have that person to share it with, right? So that's something that you, you guys do. That's uh, exactly right, because what I am able to do is you come in and many times the family is there which they should be and need to be but what right. a, their role is is they're so focused on the individual but the main thing is they are emotionally involved in this situation mm -hmm. i've had a, a lady tell me one time when i was visiting with her mom at a local hospital and she was in intensive care in the last stages of, of life. And she said, would you go back with us to visit my mom? And most of all, I would like for you to pray. Mm. And I said, sure, I'd be glad to. And she said something that I've never forgotten. She says, right now, I can't. Mm. She says, all I can do is stand there and cry. Right. Mm. And so she says, you can say the words for my mom to hear because as we know the last thing that a person has while they're here with us is the ability to hear mm -hmm. and even though they cannot communicate with you anymore they can hear you mm -hmm. and that has been proven through various ways and means through the years that uh, people are very attuned to what's going on in their room so she said I want you to go pray and um I'll, I've never forgotten that statement that um, and it just showed me at that moment how emotionally involved and and I've been there with my parents I'm blessed to still have my both of my parents but yet every time that we go into the hospital with my aging parents it suddenly takes I go in on the different side of the bed you might say because mm -hmm. it's me that's being impacted by this person it's not just a friend that that I know and love it's it's my life it's my parents have always been a part of my life and that's what I found that is so important when you get into the situation your family members you are so emotionally uh, invested in in this individual that you you kind of have blinders on and when you need that 
third person that's standing there, that rock that you sit in the position of, and you kind of coach them and you'd say, I can, I can pray for them, I can help you, I can minister to you and help when words are just lost. I mean, I, you know, you get into that situation, Kevin, where you just don't know what to do and you feel so overwhelmed and you feel like you're not really doing anything. And you'd have that one person, as Steve sitting there, who's on that side of the bed, saying, no, this is what to expect. This is what you need to be thinking. This is what you need to be, uh, um, you know, praying about. I'm oh, able yeah. to uh, tell them that whether it be before or after the death of their loved one, I said, I can think for you. Yes. And mm. what I... You have to make the decision. I cannot do, make that decision for you. I can only think and make suggestions or ask questions because it is surprising to me how many families that you meet who have not made the preparations that they need to make for the loss of their loved one, either in the latter uh, days of their life as they're going through an illness like we saw with Mark's mom, she was very vibrant, very active, even though she was going through um, chemo and lots of different things, she was able to stay vibrant. Then suddenly there is a point in which cancer takes over mm-hmm. or the malignancy right. or the illness that they or the heart just gives out. You know, there are a lot of things that happen that are indicators, hey, now, we shift gears because we have been actively, aggressively dealing, fighting this illness, right. mm-hmm. or doing everything we can to keep them up and vibrant. And then suddenly you'll see that that's no longer the case. And you don't know how to back off. Mm-hmm. You don't know how to, what, what type of role you're supposed to play right. at that point. Well, and my sister dealt with this with my aunt very much because there was a moment in time where the doctors indicated that her system was not um, reacting to the chemotherapy in such a way that it was going to be really a continuing um, type of treatment. So, um, you know, and, and when our other family members heard that, they didn't understand. They said, well, I don't understand what other treatments are available. You know, and here we are, you know, she's 54 years old. I'm not sure how old exactly she was, but you know, what other options do we have? What can, you know, and, and my sister being in the medical knowledge and, and had done all of the research, it was, that wasn't what the question was any longer. It wasn't, what can we do to help save her? It was, what can we do to help her end her life in a respectful and dignity and, dig, and dignified yes. way? And so my sister being the strong person that she is, um, let people know that that's no longer the questions that that we want or need. We need, you know, if you want to come spend time with her and 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 have those remaining days. We don't know; it could be weeks, it could be days, it could be months. But we knew it wasn't going to be long, and so that's when the 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 focus shift. So I'm sure that that's the that's the conversations that you help coach whoever it is that is executing those um, kind of orders, if you will. This is no longer what we need to talk about in a caring and loving way. Mm-hmm. We need to know how, how can we do this with dignity so that they can feel they can go. The um, 
suddenly comfort becomes the name of the game. Mm -hmm. Instead of aggressively fighting the illness, you want to maintain comfort Mm -hmm. for that individual. Mm-hmm. That's where hospice is invaluable, mm-hmm. um, wherever it be done in a hospital, wherever it be done at home, wherever it be done in a special facility mm-hmm. that is catered just for hospice. Yeah. Then also, closure becomes very, very important for not only the person who is leaving, but also for the family members yeah, because they're, they have to live on after that person's gone. Mm, absolutely. And I think a good segue with this to, would be for Mark to, if you don't mind sharing some of your personal experience with more about what your mom went through with that Psalm that yeah. came up exactly. and, 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 and then just how, how it was that Steve yeah. um, spoke about the Valley and, and let's talk a little bit more about that and the remaining moments that we have here with Steve Peake uh, with the First Baptist Concord in Knoxville. Uh, we're talking about end of life and the ministry that he has at that church. So come back with us right after these messages. Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what is really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. Welcome back into the Housing Hour. My name is again Kevin Ray here with Mark Griffith, our executive producer and co-host. And we have Steve Peake with us here from First Baptist Concord in Knoxville. And uh, Steve has been with that church for 35 years. And he, he really he must, it seems he must have just went out of elementary school to, to First Baptist because he looks so young. There's no way he could have been there that long, but I believe him. Um, <laughs> and, um, but go, if you wanted to go to the website, it's fbconcord.org, I believe is the website. That's correct. correct. That's right. And um, with your ministry, while you have a, a wide range of events that take place uh, once you get to that point where you can be involved in the ministry and there's just a variety of different events, um, Mark, that you have to look forward to. Mm-hmm. Um, the fireside room, Bible studies on Mondays at 9. There's just a lot of different things. So go to the website, call Steve. Um, I'm sure Mark also could, mm-hmm. could help you because he's been with that church maybe not 35 years. Since but, 1994, that's right. and I met Steve like right then. Wow! So you found the best church in Knoxville and mm-hmm. the best mortgage company in Knoxville all in the same year, and the, one of the best ministers, Steve E. <laughs> there you I, go, almost simultaneously. That, Thank you. That's his life changed <laughs> well, forever. And Doug Seger too, of course. Exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah, Doug was a great guy, and I remember the first year our kids went to vacation Bible school, and he may still do this. But I can't recall, but he he was in the play. He was in the final production. He was out oh, he's there. All, he was always in it. He, he and he had his you know whole little <laughs> outfit on. He was I think it was like an Indiana Jones theme or something, and he was fantastic. So and they you know uh, let's face it, you know First Baptist Concord has ministered to hundreds and thousands mm-hmm. upon. Uh, uh, Knoxvillians, and not just that, but also the surrounding counties, you know, and that's really uh, an amazing um, thing because we need churches that are thriving in our communities. Um, The fact is, is that churches around the country are dying, 
And the one thing that um, it appears that First Baptist is doing, very much like Faith Promise, is that we have to minister to the people who are coming to church. So that's what they're doing. And with that Vacation Bible School, it's literally like going to Disney World for the week for these kids to learn about Jesus. It's like Disney World for Jesus is what it feels like, <laughs> because it's like we're, we're our main focus is the relationship with Christ. And that's and, and, you know, with your, and I don't want to get off topic here, but you have clearly been in every phase of ministry, you know, helping bring uh, children to Christ at the age where they can accept that truly. And then now with what you're doing now. So I wanted to get to that point where Mark in 2003, mm-hmm. you know, you, you were faced with what we all have to be faced with at some point in our life. And, you know, you were, this was new to you at that time. This isn't something that you had been through. And my mother was very active in the church, and she was in the Sunshine Ministry, which is for the special needs program. Mm -hmm. She did the piano, playing, and all that. And she didn't want to leave that. And Mm -hmm. so over the summer when it ended, I I had the sense that she wasn't going to be back. Mm -hmm. And um, she was still functioning, but then she started deteriorating uh, as the summer waned on. And what did she have? She had uh, colon cancer, and she died of colon cancer. My grandfather also. But as she started deteriorating, and we had to move her into a nursing home, unfortunately, because she became paralyzed, Mm -hmm. um, uh, one of the things is she became more, um, you know, uh, understanding of her, you know, situation. And so she started asking a lot of questions. She started asking me a lot of questions and I was not in that mode to answer these questions. I was in the survival mode. I'm going to get you fixed. We're going to get back to church. You're going to play that piano. I was not in the accepting of that mode. Mm -hmm. And so she started asking Psalms 23, you know, Mm -hmm. the Lord is my shepherd, you know, the the Mm -hmm. Psalm, everybody knows Psalm 23. Mm -hmm. She started asking specific questions and she asked Brad Maynard, who is our church and a good friend of mine, Steve knows him. He's, he's been involved in ministry there for a long time. He came to her bedside and she said, you know, Brad, I want you to explain Psalm 23 to me. Mm. And so I think he did uh, explain all that. Well, later, and this is Steve without knowing, uh, as she started going down, Steve started explaining to me, this is the last weeks. Mm -hmm. These are the last two weeks. This is the last week. It's getting closer. And there was a one point where she was kind of in a coma sense. Steve leaned over to the bed into my ear and said, she's now in the valley of the shadow of death. Mm. And I saw it, and I just realized that she started asking about those questions. She started, and I couldn't answer them, but now I can answer them. Mm. I now I understood with the valley of the shadow of death. This is what having a spiritual person with you can yeah. can help and guide you through. Just an amazing. It's sad. Mm. It's sad, so sad, but you're right. also rejoicing too. Right, that's right. Because, isn't, that, isn't that crazy? And I think that for you, Steve, let me ask you this question, because for those of us who continue on and, and continue living, you know, the Bible says very clearly that that, that these folks who are saved and, and, and have, you know, God, you know, Jesus as their Savior, that they're going to a better place. They're going to be in a much better place happier place but for us living even though we have faith in that it's sometimes hard for us to transition our heart from the belief of that and then rejoice in that because you're losing somebody that you trust and and have that relationship and that you love and so selfishly even though we know they're going somewhere better we want to hold on to that Mm -hmm. we want to hold on to that relationship you know we're not going to be able to call and you know run things by them anymore we're not going to be able to you know go over and um you know have a meal with drop off the kids (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, 
<laughs> True. So, so Steve, you know, that's got to be one of the biggest part of the ministry. At some point, not only do the family members have to change the focus, but you also do as well um, to the people who are still living like you did with Mark. The first thing that I encourage them to do is as long as they have that individual with them is to celebrate life. Mm-hmm. And I found some of the greatest celebrations of life have taken place in the last few days or weeks of an individual's life with their family. Mm -hmm. Because one of the things that this time tends to do is many times you find the family is drawn closer together. Mm -hmm. And because of that, then they're there more often. They spend more time deliberately with that individual doing whatever they can to be sure that they're comfortable. And the big thing that uh, the family member has to do is they have to, they become then in charge of the, of taking care of that individual Mm -hmm. because like in the home or the nursing home, wherever they are, even in a hospital, Mm -hmm. the staff is very limited in the amount of time they can spend in, in that room with you. So you are there person that is there to be sure that they are being taken care of and and telling informing the medical staff is what is happening and those kind of things but when you come in and you sense that closure is is near then you begin to prepare that family because one of the most important things that has to be done and the hardest thing to be done is you have to give that permission, the permission to go. Mm. Oh, this is Has so. Seen yeah, that I forgot about this. So part. many times oh. in which a person or a family, there can be one individual that is that is holding out mm. hope that something miraculous is going to happen, but you know that that is not coming. It's not a part of the process or the plan. The plan. Yeah that the end is coming. Mm. And so I tell them it is important that every one of them go in individually and take time with that person Mm. and just get down by their bedside where they can hear, hold their hand, and tell them what they want to say to be a part of that closure. And it's and it is very important for that person who is going on to hear from you that we will be okay, we will miss you, but we'll see you again. It's hard, man. It is so hard, but that's exactly what he told us. Yeah, and and you have the experience because your sister in law and you had a family member that wasn't able to get there right when they needed to. My my son, right? Your son. That's right, Josh. And so. Um, but when he he was able to come and actually make it, to she the was home. on the last breath, right. and and uh, and and because she wasn't going, and Jamie kept on saying he's on his way, Josh is on his way, and you could see her eyes twinkle mm-hmm. and roll. He came walking in, and she goes, "He's here," and I promise you, there was a little smile, mm-hmm. and then she passed. Mm-hmm. It's just right. Unbelievable. Yeah, and and God has a plan. That's the thing that God has a plan for end of life. And um, you know, and this is my belief. This isn't the radio stations or mortgage investors groups or even the folks here with us today, Steve or Mark. But I don't believe that 
anyone should artificially end their life through whatever means possible. We had the story, of course, of the, the Brit- young Brittany lady in Oregon who, who chose to end her life with that pill. And I'm oh, not, I see. I'm not, Kevorkian style. The Kevorkian mm-hmm. style. Yeah. Because, because, look, you know, in your situation, and you spoke about the family members being able to come together and be there together and have this natural process of life ending. And it really grows people spiritually and brings them together. And with my Aunt Patty, as young as she was, it really was a a great moment for us to show and build on her legacy and be able to see her with dignity in her life. And so I think that's amazing. And I think this is just a great topic. And we're going to continue with our last segment. We have a few moments left here with Steve Peak, and we'll continue those moments right after these messages. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what is really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. Welcome back into the Housing Hour. Um, since we've been speaking about the Vacation Bible School at First Baptist Concord, um, June 7th is the kickoff and the actual classes during the day, the the actual um, Vacation Bible School part is from the 8th until the 12th. That's right. And then on the 12th, they have, I guess, the finale. Well, they'll recap for the parents the day, the week. And, and my kids every day would come home and tell us the new things. And, you know, they have and a carrots theme. There's 2,000 to 3,000 kids on campus every single day of that week. Yeah, and you need to, if you are going to be taking part in this and you have kids there and on the 12th when you go i think that's the friday i think it's it is. friday night at you, seven you, o'clock you have to be there by about six to get a seat <laughs> that's right be, i'm not kidding you because they the place the auditorium's amazing there's not a bad spot in the entire place but we like to get down close because First of all, you might get wet because there's usually <laughs> all kinds of extra D or the 4D effect. You, I mean, it's incredible. You've got explosions, safe explosions. Yeah. You have pyrotechnics. Uh, I mean, the sound is amazing. It's like it's like being at like a real Broadway type of situation, but it's all about Jesus. And and that's what I love. The culmination of the week, it, it comes back to that. And, and Doug, when I've been in the past and then with the new pastor last John. year, John, um, they do a real good job of, of bring it all together, wrapping it up. So, and this is where it starts. This is where the beginning is. And we're talking about end of life, but guess what? We're, we're planting the seeds. And, and my daughter was saved just this in last year. As a result, I can assure you of things like the vacation Bible school, because it may, they, she may not have accepted Christ there, but she received the, the seeds of faith there and at faith promise and of the other vacation Bible schools that we may not, not make them go to, but we send them to. So it all happens and it's a culmination of effect. So now when we, we fast forward 50 years and Olivia, my daughter is in that stage of her life. You know, she is going to need this other ministry and wherever that might lead her and wherever she might be. And so, um, you know, we were talking before the break about um, Mark's situation and, and how all of that came about. And I guess, Mark, uh, I'm getting so passionate about this, but what, what in the remaining moments, what might should we end with? 
I think the the um, the aspect is um, as somebody like Steve uh, Peake sitting beside you, mm-hmm. and especially in those last moments. And one of the things, the last thing that he told us, not to, not only to tell us it's okay to go, which oh. was a tough conversation, right. mm-hmm. but he also t- instructed us and informed us that, you know, if you all walk out of the room that's generally when they'll want to pass they don't Mm -hmm. like to pass in front of you perhaps i don't know i got that sense but uh and we and we were there by her and she was always trying to seem like she was trying to communicate or something when we left and purposely did not go into that room is when she passed away Mm -hmm. yeah because you mentioned quiet being quiet because i mean we don't know what's happening inside the mind necessarily of the person who is passing i can only imagine what god has in store for the saved person and how marvelous it is and how as they begin to go from this realm to the next the incredible just glorious feelings that are on the other side of that but for us on this side of that there's certain things that we need to know and one of those is to be quiet and just in the remaining moments what what's the big part of being quiet and being still one of the things is when you're quiet you allow God's spirit to move into that room in a very mighty way Mm. I've never seen an individual who loved the Lord die in any other position besides a total peaceful position Mm. because that when they go through the valley it fulfills the scriptures they are not afraid Mm -hmm. there's such great peace and comfort and many times when that final they have been taken from us many times there becomes a smile on their countenance Mm -hmm. because you can only imagine what they got to see Mm -hmm. as they breathed their last breath here on earth Mm-hmm. and realizing that they were being set free. And can right. you imagine everything. the loved ones coming in to help them usher them in? That's I right. can just get that I, I, It gives me chill bumps in, in the revelation because we know that, that we don't know all that there is to know. I know that I don't. And so those things being revealed to our loved ones, that's the hope and that's the comfort that we need to take away from this is that they are experiencing the love of the Lord in a way that we have not. And they they will be comforted by that. We, on the other hand, have people like Steve and Mark and others in the ministries that are out there. But guys, this has been a fantastic show. We want to thank you guys so much for coming in to the Housing Hour and look forward to the rest of our series on this topic in the future. We'll see you next time. That's the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray for today. Join Kevin and his guests each week at this time to keep up with the why and why not you need to know. So come here to find out. This show is presented by Mortgage Investors Group.